Hey y'all, welcome back to Grandpa Plays, the podcast where my guests and I talk about everything cannabis, cannabis law reform, and anything else that might need a little changing here in the good old USA. Brought to you by Something Has to Change and Now, working through advocacy to end the prohibition of plants. Tonight, I'm excited because we are lucky enough to have a guest who is one of the top litigators in the cannabis industry, Lisa Pittman. Lisa has a 20-year background in state and federal commercial business litigation. Currently at Zuber Lawler LLC in Austin, she works with an international team of experts, particularly in cannabis, intellectual property, fundraising, and technology. Her litigation experience includes breach of contract, employment, banking, fraud, deceptive trade practices, product liability and complex insurance coverage, to name just a few. She is appointed to the Texas Department of Agriculture's Industrial Hemp Advisory Council and is also a non-resident fellow at Rice University's Baker Institute of Public Policy Drug Policy Program. Let's meet Lisa and hear her take on where Texas is in regard to the cannabis industry and where she thinks we need to be. Hello, Lisa, and thank you for joining me here on Gramps Place. Thanks for having me. I have to say that I'm I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Uh, I've followed you for some time and seen you, of course, speak at several events. Your background and knowledge on the legality surrounding cannabis and the cannabis industry has to be one of the most impressive that I've encountered personally. Tell our listeners a little bit, bit about your role in the cannabis space. Well, um, I guess my role is multifaceted. I got involved in 2015 when I read the Senate bill testimony of mothers with children with epilepsy and what their lives were like, um, the treatment choices that they were faced with, um, having to maybe leave the state to seek treatment for their children and that means leaving their families and churches and communities or maybe they didn't have the means to do so and I, I could personally empathize with that because my daughter had epilepsy and when she was a year old I took her to the top two pediatric neurologists in Houston yeah. uh, Texas Children's and Memorial Hermann and I'm given two completely different treatment plans one of them wanted to medicate her up to the gills and said um you know I'm sorry you're not going to have the same child after this because of the devastating effects that these drugs have on the development of the brain and the organs and the other one said well this could be a juvenile form that she outgrows and we could just closely monitor it and see what happens and so here I am 31 or two uh, I know that I know that diagnosis very well that was the same diagnosis they gave my son anyway sorry to interrupt you but no not at all I you know this is I'm just saying yeah I could see myself in these women's testimony that I'm reading about because I've been in that agonizing place you know what what do I do and I could see that they were just guessing at what her condition was and how to treat it um, I elected to follow the way of, of monitoring it and thank you to God we were blessed that she did outgrow it she's 16 now and was right. recently kind of cleared 
some of the abnormal activity in her frontal lobe has dissipated and, you know, mm -hmm. we, we never really know, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, and so I just thought to myself, how can a potential medicine be withheld from a child or from anyone, particularly a plant that has very few, if any, you know, side effects? No one's died from it. Um, so that lit the fire under me to get involved and do something. Originally, it wasn't to practice law. I wanted to provide a place for women to come consult about plant-based therapies in general, cannabis just being one of many, you know, there's peppermint, lavender, you know, a lot of plants. Now I'm learning about mushrooms mm -hmm. um, and other preventative therapies, nutritions, uh, counseling, chiropractic, you know, a lot, a lot of different things. Um, so I started working on that at the time, but I also thought, you know, what happened to the days of Lincoln when lawyers stood up and used their position to change laws for the better. So sure. I did want to get involved in advocacy and, and I did. And I, you know, I'm a 20 year commercial business litigator and it was pretty thankless. I was miserable. I, I was really only doing that because some life circumstances put me on a hamster wheel of having to mm. uh, do that kind of work. So, <laughs> anyway. So I, you know, I left that behind to pursue this, and along the way, though, I, I um, um, started practicing law in the area. My first major project was um, counseling LSU on the rollout of Louisiana's medical marijuana program uh, that was enacted in 2015, and so that was a very comprehensive deep dive into A to Z, everything about growing marijuana commercially. Uh, for medical purposes, practically, legally speaking, they didn't want to jeopardize their federal funding or be sued, mm -hmm. uh, learning all the different ways to do it. Then they wanted to subcontract that out. Um, so I created the application and the scorecard. And so I went on from there to work in a lot of different states on competitive medical marijuana applications. Then in Texas, of course. Um, and then in 2017, we didn't get any movement in our law. So I moved to Colorado for a couple yeah. of years so I could be immersed in a state where it's legal and learn what the issues are um, so that I could bring that knowledge and experience back to Texas to represent Texans okay. and while I was out there hemp was in full bloom under the 2014 farm bill so I became immersed in that trade as well and then in 2019 um, was flying back and forth between Denver and Austin to help get our hemp law passed so I was yep. working on that in the legislature. So each legislative session, I'm also advocating for improvements to the medical marijuana laws, decriminalization, and hemp. Mm -hmm. So then in uh, summer 2019, I come back and uh, we get our hemp law passed. And I move back home to Austin. And um, so, you know, it's government relations. It's representing businesses, both in hemp and marijuana in states where it's legal or preparing in Texas for, you know, the runway we have here. It's just a matter of when, you know, we got some improvements mm -hmm. this session, you know, adding cancer patients without any restrictions. That's, 
that's a lot, you know, that takes many forms. That's a great start, uh, PTSD. That's, that's a lot of people, that's a great start. And with the 1% THC, you can make a 10 milligram dose that you can take throughout the day. That's a great start. Mm -hmm. A research program that's gonna start to validate that this is, has medical use. Mm -hmm. That's gonna prop up a, um, I think a robust, valid program in 2023, viable I mean, um, which will then you know, support loosen the reins, I think, in 2025 for an adult. <laughs> 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 um, of course, we're surrounded. You know, there's a lot of political trade winds involved in, in all of that. So, you know, my role is just, you know, also education. I work with the American Bar Association and I put on a lot of continuing legal education programs and I speak at a lot of conferences and everywhere that I can um, to also get a mainstream understanding and acceptance mm -hmm. about, you know, cannabis and normalization of it. Um, so I just, um, you know, a lot of different avenues and like I said, helping businesses get started and expand and thrive. And then I hope I can get back to my own business that really started all of this off and get back to that a women's wellness center i hope sure, okay. um, which was also kind of a futuristic dispensary catering toward women and families okay. um, that's centered around treatment that that's um also what i had envisioned back in 2015 i didn't know we were going to be waylaid so long yeah getting to legalization. Yeah, <laughs> so. it's crazy. Uh, the things that the, the hoops that we have already jumped through since 2015 to 2021, uh, uh, it, it, it's mind boggling how easily some other states can do it and how even without ballot in initiatives like we don't have, there are other states that have gotten it done. Mm -hmm. And, it, it, you know, we just can't seem to get there course we have one particular roadblock and we all know who he is but um you know not be, being dan patrick and his mentality toward it and not wanting bills to be even even heard in committee well he just needs some nice donations yeah <laughs> pardon the short break for a word from our sponsors are you enjoying the guests and content gramps is bringing you each week do you want him to continue to bring you the guests and insights on these important public issues? Remember, Gramps does this all on his own. No production team and no producers. Just Gramps. Think about making a monthly donation to help support the Gramps Place podcast today. It is as simple as visiting anchor.fm slash gramps hyphen place slash support and setting up a monthly donation. It can be as small as 99 cents per month. You would be surprised at how much that can help. As always, Gramps Place thanks you for your support. Gramps Place. The podcast where Gramps and his guests talk about cannabis and cannabis law reform. Is brought to you by. Something has to change, and now. Working through advocacy to educate, agitate, and motivate millions in order to end the prohibition of plants.
visit www.facebook.com slash something has to change and now for more information because it really is pretty simple folks something has to change and now welcome back to gramps place the podcast where gramps and his guests talk about cannabis and cannabis law reform I see so many people who, quote unquote, get it wrong uh, uh, on interpreting the laws around cannabis with both the hemp bill in 2019 and the expansions that you just spoke about in the, the teacup. What are some of the dumpster fire misconceptions that you find yourself having to extinguish for your clients? Misconceptions? Yeah, as in terms of interpreting the law. Um. Well, you know, I have a lot of people who come to me thinking that they can practice with growing hemp and then get a marijuana license when Texas legalizes, or that they can just get a marijuana license when Texas legalizes, and that legalization is going to, is around the corner. I think those are the biggest misconceptions because cannabis is now big business. And mm-hmm. when license applications open again, there are cannabis companies that span seven to 15, to even more states now that are extremely powerful and politically connected. And sure. they have so many resources, it's going to be nearly impossible to defeat them in a competition to get probably only a a few licenses will open up at a time. Even though Texas is an unlimited license state, they're only going to open up a discretionary amount bit, bit by bit yeah. for, for a while here. Um, so it's going to be really hard. I don't, you know, a mom and pop is not going to get a marijuana license in Texas for a long time. Yeah, yeah. It's a free open market system, no Texas residency requirement or favoritism, believe it or not. Um, No minority favoritism or anything like that, just uh, straight up. You would would think we would learn something from Oklahoma. You know, they they first started their program, it was the same way, but they rapidly made it to where you had to be at least a two-year resident. And then they most recently changed it, I believe, to you have to be a five-year resident to be able to get a license in Oklahoma. Why wouldn't they protect Texas citizens and businesses the same way here in Texas? I think because, uh, you know, these other states are legalizing because they need the tax revenue. And Texas doesn't need the tax revenue. We don't need to protect our people in that way. It's a a business-friendly state. May the strongest survive and come, you know, big businesses come here from other states and um, we attract, you know, we want people to come here and compete. Sure. Um, And, you know, we're what the eighth largest economy of the world. Mm -hmm. So that's why there's not a protection for the Texas residents. We we want uh, other businesses to, we want to attract them to come and spar to get one of these valuable licenses. Sure. Well, we can all agree that Texas has come a long way from 1915 in El Paso. 
Um, but where do you see Texas now uh, as, as far as the, the, the medical program that we have? And do you think Texas, uh, where do you think we should be in terms of the cannabis industry? Are we behind the times? Oh, yeah, we're behind the times. <laughs> <laughs> However, it is also economics 101 that the longer you keep something off the market, the more valuable it becomes. And they're not stupid, you know. Whenever they pull the lever, you know, it's not like it's going to take us any time at all to catch up. You know, like I said, sure. you know, the, um, the strongest MSOs, multi-state operators, will come in and be here and voila they will open their doors and we will have top notch stuff right away so we won't be behind whenever they press go sure what do you think uh the actual turning point is going to be for them to open the doors for for fully adult use program well there's political things at play. So 2022 governor re-election. So maybe once Abbott's safely re-elected, maybe, um, maybe he'll let up a little bit. And then there's the 2024 presidential election, which I think Abbott has designs on. And I think a lot of the stuff he's doing recently has nothing to do with policies for Texas, but is about, uh, stroking other desires absolutely nationally mm -hmm. um, so uh you know i don't know if he's gonna you know so if he runs for president or you know whatever happens there that's going to be pivotal for what the landscape is for 2025 and then we'll be able to see what the playing field is for marijuana in 2025 sure sure yeah i call what he's been up to lately posturing myself <laughs> political posturing for oh totally i mean know, he's been so long and then oh, all of a sudden he's gonna build a wall <laughs> i mean yeah so that's just theater you know well the um, first the first other stuff too the first thing that caught my eye uh was actually a couple years ago when uh trump was overseas for one of the big summits and all of a sudden there's greg abbott next to him overseas at this summit and i'm like wait a minute what are you doing over there you know it's like okay whatever <laughs> i know what you're up to yeah so let's say texas opens the door either part way or all the way with full full flower availability what should we do in regard to people still in jail or on probation for so-called cannabis crimes and better yet what about all those whose lives have been ruined already because of an old conviction? Well, of course, they should all be expunged. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, there needs to be some kind of rehabilitation program. or I mean, I don't know what the answer is, but some kind of way for them to have some fraction of their life back. I'm also a fellow at the rice university baker institute for public policy the drug policy program and they do mm -hmm. a lot a lot of work and study and testifying for harm reduction programs and um, these very issues on 
you know, how the war on drugs has destroyed the lives of so many people so needlessly and how to rectify those harms. And so I think that they might have some intelligent answers to that question. Sure. <laughs> um, so you would say, that being said, that uh, I, I would be safe to say that you agree with some other critics of the war on drugs that it is a completely failed American experiment? Oh, completely failed. Well, you say it's an experiment, whether it's failed or not. I mean, the, the intention of the experiment was to ruin certain people's lives. So in that sense, sure. it was successful. Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, it's time to end it. As far as the purported purpose behind it. <laughs> yeah, the purported, yes. <laughs> it would be a completely failed experiment. Uh, well, I know you probably have this a lot of times. Uh, you have individuals ask you, I'm sure, about legal advice and whatnot, but you, you mainly work for, for practice business law, correct? Correct. So some of our listeners were current business uh, entities or owners and uh, or were looking to start a business in the cannabis industry here in Texas. Uh, they would be able to reach out to you for advice? Yes. Okay. Tell us some places where they can find you. Tell them how they can contact you. You can email me, um, lpittman at zuberlawler.com. So my law firm's called Zuber Lawler, Z-U-B-E-R-L-A-W-L-E-R. -E -E okay. Well, uh, is there anything else you'd like to add in terms of what people can do, uh, you know, as far as in, on the advocacy front? to help maybe push things along here in Texas, something that maybe you see people do now that maybe they're doing wrong and need to change the way or change their approach, maybe? Well, it's very important that everybody uh, let their representatives know that they are in favor of Im improvements to the marijuana laws sure. and maybe talk to your neighbors about it. And um, that's what they need to know is that their constituency is in favor of it because they're afraid of losing their next election. So they, they just need to know that. And everybody needs to be polite and respectful. And, um, you know, that's very important, too. Sure. One of the things I see all the time uh, at the Capitol here in Austin is people that show up in blue jeans and a T-shirt, like a concert T-shirt or, uh, you know, things like that. And, and I can't tell them enough this is just the wrong place for that folks you know if if you're going to wear a t-shirt just make it a solid color t-shirt if that's all you have you know i get it you know but um <laughs> appearance is everything when you're going to talk to a lawmaker even if you don't get 10 seconds with them that appearance is their impression almost in its entirety yeah try to be professional like you're going to work or going to court or church you know Mm -hmm. Into the uh, capital. Certainly. Treat it like a business meeting. Exactly, exactly. Well, folks, that's it for this episode of Gramps Place. And I want to thank you again, Lisa, for joining us. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. And uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight and listening to us. And uh, we hope you come back again. 
Grants Place, the podcast where Grants and his guests talk about everything cannabis, cannabis law reform, and anything else you can think of. Brought to you by Something Has to Change and Now, working through advocacy to end the prohibition of plants. For more information, visit www.facebook.com slash something has to change and now. Be sure to subscribe where you get your podcast or visit grampsplace.net today. And as always, thank you for listening to Gramps Place.